Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unleashing the Kingdom with Susan DeBrew. I'm glad to see that Susan is back. The last time I think it was an episode that I did all by myself. I felt so incredibly lonesome. And yet here we are now back in fellowship, in fellowship again. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to be talking about um, the next, kind of the next phase of Susan's journey and where she um, kind of sorted her way through some of the scriptures that were left remaining after working through all the big ones. So we're going to talk a little bit about the helper. If you haven't already, be sure to go to kingdombrewing.com, pick up a set of the books. Also very excited to announce that we have a, a new book coming out called Introduction to Unleashing the Kingdom. That should be out just in a few weeks. We will keep you updated. You can go ahead and start buying those for Christmas now. Good to be prepared. The main thing is to dig into this material and really let Holy Spirit lead you into what he's saying in this season about the unity of men and women. You guys ready? All right, let's do it. All right, Susan, let's jump in. We need All to talk right. a little bit about what we've talked about. Let's talk because, about what we talked about. Yeah, because actually the truth is that where we're at in the material, you had by this time in your experience worked through kind of the big the big passages. Yeah. So you had worked through 1 Corinthians 14, the shush your women passages, yes. as we say. Women keep silence. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Silence, silence. We say to thee, silence. And then you had worked through 1 Corinthians 11. You'd worked through 1 Timothy 2. So by this time, you were already pretty deep in. You knew Romans 16 was so supportive of women in leadership. Yes. And, and that's what we've done really in the podcast is we've worked through kind of sort of in the way that Susan worked through it as she was on this 20-year journey. We also uh, dug into the headship passages. Yes. Yeah. Now, we actually did a lot more work here in the podcast on headship than we do in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things where it's kind of the opposite. Most of the material, you is know, deeper in the books, right? But you can't, I mean, have, Lord have originally mercy. the books were there's going to be 12, 12, right? But we just made them three <laughs> with now a little intro to those. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. But there actually may be a book that needs to come on just headship. I think there's quite a few books that are still coming. Yeah, also identity. I think we touched yeah. on it, but we didn't dig into that nearly as much as the original plan was. So we'll yeah. get there too. Yeah, the royal identity and, and nobility and all that sort of stuff. There's so much nobility rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all really powerful. So, if you've followed us through these podcasts, and hopefully you have, if not, jump back and, and kind of catch up because we've spent so much time working through. And they were fun. Yeah, they've been a lot of fun. Yeah. But we really have worked through. I think the the deep objections to this topic. There are a lot of people who honestly do not believe they can shift their thinking on women in leadership or that women are not created to be secondary because they actually think that's what the Bible teaches. Yeah. I know this because I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And yet when you really begin to work through the material, you really do see that biblically the argument actually does shift. Yeah. And, it, and it really does. For me, it freed me just in terms of my conscience. Yay, that's really good because... More than anything else, I think both sides of the the conversation in the Christian world, whether or not women can be leaders or whether women, wives are secondary to their husbands in any capacity, all of them. And I really, I know that there's going to be a few evil people on both sides, Mm -hmm. but truly the majority of all the people honestly are just trying to honor the scriptures. The problem is, is that we're honoring them in a way that we've been taught yeah. rather than in a way that they re- 
really are. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're trying to get down into rather than coming to the, rather than coming to them with the filters that were created. So we just see what we expect to Mm -hmm. see. We have to say, okay, what did the Lord really mean? What was really going on? And honestly, what does the text say? Yeah. And what did Jesus and Paul demonstrate? Yeah. Right. Because neither one of them would violate the very laws that they're, dealing with yeah yeah because jesus to, didn't come to um destroy the law he came to fulfill it fulfill it yeah and it's who they are so that kind of takes us to where you were in your story mm-hmm. because you had worked through as we detail in the books you had worked through all of these passages you had sorted through the whole complementarian versus egalitarian i say in this new book we're doing it's not it's not us speaking in tongues by the way <laughs> you know that's these are big words that capture kind of camps, even yeah. though people fit loosely within them, to be honest. But still, it, it sort of describes complementary. Which side of the argument you're Seems on. to be more traditional, egalitarian, argues for the equality of men and women. And so you had already kind of sorted through that. You were pretty much to the place to where you felt like that the complementarian arguments were uh, had been exposed as false, and you were you were very much by this point really embracing the idea of women in leadership, women in ministry, equality with men, and them. Bam! I tell you, you there was, yeah, there you was just one Genesis, I could not get past. Genesis chapter two. It's like it haunted me through okay. the entire process because the bottom line is in Genesis when it says that you know the way I was taught that the woman was created to be the man's helper. Yeah, and that's what. You know, and so at first glance, when you read it, that's what it says. You're thinking, well, if she's the helper, then he's the boss. Yeah. And if she's there to be an assistant or to play a secondary supportive role by design, it doesn't matter. Like, honestly, all the other all the other freedoms for women, if you will, yes, they could speak in church. Yes, they don't have to cover their head when they pray. You know, all of those things are great. They give you some level of freedom. pardon me but quite frankly if her design is to play a secondary role in the home or in the church or in the world complementarians really believe that she's to play a secondary role period yeah wherever she is right because because she is female because she is female they actually like define masculinity and femininity by their um, idea that the essence of masculinity is to lead mm-hmm. and the essence of femininity is to follow. Mm-hmm. And if that's how you define humanity, then anytime a woman steps out in any leadership role, she's violating the nature of her design and she's yeah. um, infringing upon his. Mm. She's demasculating him. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously we had already, by, by the time I'm dealing with the helper issue in Genesis, we had already seen clearly that Paul was promoting women in ministry. Jesus had been elevating women and breaking the cultural norms of the day, even violating man-made laws to speak to women in public and yeah. you know, all kinds of rebellious things. Just crazy Just stuff. Just crazy yeah. things. You know, and in that day it actually was. <laughs> it really was. It was. And we make fun of it now. But yeah, in those days, killed. like Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it could have discredited his whole ministry. Yeah. And so um but how do you get past all of that if ultimately her original creation was to be a man's helper? Yeah. I couldn't move past it. So here you are. You've worked your way through all of these passages, and now you're stuck. You're at this point where it's like, okay, got all the rest of it sorted out. But now you're reading. 
in Genesis chapter 2, the passage, the statement as it's rendered in almost every version, mm-hmm. which is that I will make a helper you know, suitable for him. And then you're reading all of the different kind of the literature around it. You're reading complementarians. You're reading egalitarians. Mm-hmm. So how did the two of them explain the passage? Okay, so the... Actually, the way the complementarians explained it helped push me away from their argument. <laughs> okay. Because basically, you know, they have, you know, huge volumes written in it, and, and some of them are very eloquent. But, mm-hmm. but a lot of the, the, the way it would boil down is that, number one, the very fact that there's two, the very fact that God created two means that they can't be equal. One has to be the other. Otherwise, there wouldn't be two. Like, I just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Circular arguments make right. me mad. Like yeah. I want to. I really want to know what you think. I want to know the opinion. Like I'm. I'm good with that. But like, you know, don't tell me it's chocolate because it's chocolate. <laughs> right. Like, you know, tell or, me it's chocolate because it's dark. You know, sort of like if if you don't believe me, ask me. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> so, true because I said so. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of was filtered throughout a lot of their yeah. arguments. Here's what I believe. Therefore, I'm right. And yeah. and so that didn't help their case at all. And then. Um, the other one was that they would say, um, and we quoted this one in the book, it was like, yet in passing through helpful animals, you know, <laughs> there was no helper suitable for Adam. So number one, they were looking at the, the, the original creation of the Adam, the human, as if that was male. Right, right. Even that's the, in that's the an Hebrew, assumption. Yes. Right? It means she, Adam is actually the Hebrew word for human. Ish is the Hebrew word for male, and we don't even see that happen until both are present. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're already kind of playing with the words a little bit by ignoring the fact that this is clearly, repeatedly saying human being, not male person. Okay, but see, let's let's stop and let's stop and emphasize that for just a moment because okay. that's a big deal. It is that is actually exposing an, an underlying assumption that's really a presumption. Yes, because they are. Already going to the text, assuming that Adam is male, yes, because that's what we've all heard. Well, we call him Adam later. We call the male Adam, right? Mm-hmm. Which then shifts their perspective on everything through the rest of the text. So yeah. it really is important to get that first of all, right? That they actually is kind of like, well, we already believe this, so we're going to kind of massage the text a little to say what I want it to say, and that is that God created the man, mm-hmm. the male person in his image and the women the you know and he was alone you know he was lonely he needed help tending and keeping the garden so let's create a helper for him yes. one that's suitable yeah and so god parades the animals in front of the male to see if there's any suitable helper for him none of those work <laughs> <laughs> you know okay so i'm going to stop there for a minute because that's often the way it's taught. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not what it says. Mm-hmm. It says that the human, the, the human being was made in their image and in their likeness. So in Genesis, what you first what you first begin to see in chapter one, verse twenty six, it says, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness mm-hmm. and let them rule. So from the beginning, when when the Trinity stops all of creation he he emphasizes his he emphasizes the plurality of yes, the god yes absolutely and i think that that was a key thing for me as i was studying studying this text because 
as I was, and I think in the books we do a pretty good job of saying, you know, like my 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 journey through the information was kind of um, long, mm-hmm, many mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And I ended up taking a course through Christian Leadership University, Mark Verkler's um, university, online university, where uh, there's a course called God's Release of Women, where I actually got a lot of the light bulbs. So finally, after many years, a lot of things, the pieces started to fall into place. But not with the Ezer, not with the helper. That was the one place I kept getting stuck. And so I was actually doing a research project just on the Ezer yeah. because if I, you know, did a research project with a class, I could get master level credit for it. So yeah. that's what I did. And I really wanted to know. Yeah. And in that time in in my life, I had the ability to work on it full time. Yeah. So I actually like that was my job. And that was kind of fun. It wasn't necessarily easy, but it was kind of for me like I I like looking those things up. I'm yeah. like going on a treasure hunt with the Lord. Yeah. And so one of the things that I kind of stood back and did is well, I kind of just began to go through Genesis more slowly and not read it as if I already know what it says. Yeah. You know, Lord, let me just read it. You know, okay, so you created the heavens and the earth. That's awesome. And the earth was formless and void. That's interesting. It's void. You know, you created it, but there's there's no order to it. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it was kind of chaotic, and and um, and then you know, he he said, "Let there be light." Well, wait a minute. It's several more days before there's sun, moon, or stars. Right. You know, right. And so it's not the natural light, and and I'm I'm actually just processing what it's actually saying. And the reason I want to pause there for a minute also is because as we're looking through the order of creation, that was also one of the main hinge pins of the complementarian argument Mm. was that the male was created first and that that actually created an order of preeminence Mm -hmm. within the human Mm -hmm. race Mm -hmm. by design. He was first because of the order of creation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and when you're taught that, you just say, okay. Well, and they're pulling that out of 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 11, a misunderstanding of those texts. So if you get those texts wrong, that also then informs how you get Genesis 1 and, and 2 and 3 wrong. But it's interesting if you keep reading in those texts, right. <laughs> especially in 1 Corinthians, 11, you know, yeah. Paul himself actually says... That's not true. It's not true, right? <laughs> right? You know, She may have come originally from the man, but now man comes from the woman. Therefore, neither one of you can do any kind of yeah. order of... Per, per, you know, preeminence based on the order of creation. He's like, all things come from God. Yeah. So like, in like the it's new not book, like you I created say, her in the new book. I say there's a big fat, however, right there. Cause it's like Paul completely flips <laughs> what does. was just said. You got to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and so, and, and then looking through this order of creation as I'm, as I'm slowly beginning to say, okay, Lord, I want you to take me in. I want you to show me what's going on. Like there, the order of creation goes from like those first days, like, of the, the chaos, and, and he's creating, you know, heaven and earth. Well, that's the matter, yeah, right? Yeah. And then he's creating the light, and then he separates the the light from the darkness, and he calls the darkness night, and he calls the light day. Oh, that's time, yeah. right? And then he's creating, like, the rocks and the dirt and the, the water and the sky, and then the birds and the fish, well, the plants, and then the light. So that's, you know, if you think that there's, I'm a creationist, like I'm not like one of those like diehard creationists, but I really believe in the order was there on purpose and I'm okay if you don't, right? I'm okay if you think it took millions of years between those days. It's just really hard if the plants come before the sun, right? (laughs) There can't be millions of years or they would have died, but it's okay. Like, like that's, to me, that doesn't change the gospel. Mm -hmm. 
And I know we've evolved and, and I get all that. And it's, there's no way we're actually going to know it all. We can just have theories. Like the Bible's yeah. not clear enough for us to, to die for these arguments. But I tend to, to go with like, there's an order there on yeah. purpose. Mm-hmm. And he, he really took um, a lot of space to make sure we understood this as evening and morning day one. And so I felt like the, that order was there for a reason. Yeah. And when the human was created on day six after the animals, if if the woman's creation was to make her secondary, why would this been this long progression of one thing? Yeah, and, you know. So everything else in creation, it, it gets better as it goes, right? <laughs> Definitely it, gets it, more sophisticated. Exactly, it gets it gets fleshed out in in a in a greater way, and yet complementarians when it come to male and female, all of a sudden flip that and say that the superior came first, then came the inferior. It just didn't follow the order of creation. And complementarians would would yelp that I put it that way because they say that that female is not inferior. She's of the same quality as the man, but that she operates in a different role. Yes. But in terms of role, it is superior and inferior. Yes. Even if they're not talking about the quality of being, the quality of, of... of service or of role is definitely superior and inferior. Yes. They'll say she's equal in her humanity, but not in her role. In her role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing though is this. Although as if that makes her equal, even though she's less. It's circular again. It's circular. Mm -hmm. The point that, that you're making and you made in the book is that they argue for this order of creation and the fact that he's superior because he's created first, but nothing else in creation happened that way. It was all the opposite. No, and again, and I think the interesting thing for me is is that when often when we go back and we look at the creation of male and female, because it's been so ingrained in us that we're looking for the divisions, mm-hmm. we're looking for the differences, mm-hmm. we're looking for you know ways to segment and segregate people. Yeah, like that's so sad. Put everybody in their box. Put everybody in their box. It makes us feel more powerful and more comfortable if we understand ours. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's another thing that really hung me, hung up for me in this section was <clears throat> we'll get to the whole helper and how, how there's a whole new perspective that you're going to love. Mm-hmm. But even when I got a revelation that it wasn't exactly the way I had been being taught, it was actually very different. I still struggled with the identity part of that yeah, because I didn't realize like we have to go back to let us make man in our image. And in our likeness, we really were created in the image of God, male and female, not just independently male and female in their image, but it was, in fact, their plurality yeah. that was representing. And that's why he actually changed the way he was speaking, and he said, let us. Yeah, so that the Plural image pronouns. is unity and plurality, plurality and unity. That's the image manifest. Yes, that's, and that's what he's actually pointing out in that text. Right. Yes, we're made in the image of God in a lot of ways, and that we're creative, and that we're, and he said there that we're to rule. So obviously, like that's in his image. But the main thing that he's focusing on in that text is that he's plural. That's right, because God is love, and love exists in relationship. 
which is the fundamental reality of what it means to be human. You can't love without an object to love, and love can't exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So in order for love to be love, it has to be this mutual and reciprocal thing. Same with honor. Honor also has to be mutual and reciprocal. And that's why in the world systems, and it's filtered into the church, sadly, Mm -hmm. that if you create those pyramid pyramid structures and honor flows one way. Honor always goes up, yeah. It's the wrong kingdom. That's not truly honor. That's right. You know, that's... There's probably a better word for that. I have a wordsmith sitting next to me. What's the word? They know. I have to work on that. Okay. I'll get back to you. Yeah. So it's like where you're paying homage to someone that's there superior you go. to us. Homage. Homage instead is that of a better honor. One? Yeah, I like it's that. It's homage. It's not honor. So, honor is mutual and reciprocal. Exactly. So the point is that the image of God is manifest in the plurality. Yes. So here is the human created oh by the way uh, i think it's genesis 5 isn't it where mm-hmm. he explicitly five two. so how does that say that there genesis 5 2 says in the day that he created them he called their name adam yeah i said that backwards in the day that he created he called their name adam in the day he created them so, yeah yeah so, yeah. so, yeah. so he called their name adam so the human, human was the human was they they initially male yes. and female until he drew the female out yes, created differentiation mm-hmm. and then brought them back into union with each other which is what the sexual union represents and physically manifests and, and so then of course that then becomes a child yes which, which is, is again li- made in their image right a living manifestation yep. of that union and we see that in the trinity yes and so if you think about the cre- creation of the human being mm-hmm. in the very beginning in genesis so after he created, you know, all, all of the natural order and then the animals, you know, it says um, that in chapter two, we have a very different view of what's going on than we do in chapter one. It's almost, you think like something's wrong here mm-hmm. because now mm-hmm. things are a little out of order. And I really think the beginning was actually about the order of events, the order of creation, um, the, the bigger picture. And then chapter two actually is all about the garden. And the garden is actually where, where God meets with man. Mm-hmm. Like it's something other than the natural realm. And that's the garden that we're supposed to protect. Mm-hmm. It's actually mean Eden means pleasure. It's actually a place where we walk with, with, with the Lord and we're to take that, that world and spread it over the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very different in that world. Things are just different in that world. And I think it's okay that we just like, again, it's not going to be um, one plus two plus three plus four. Like, you know, in God's economy, he's like, I'm going to show you things as you begin to understand them. Yeah. Like we understand germs now, right? Mm-hmm. Right. In the 21st century, but there's all kinds of things through scripture that talk about ceremonial hand washings that right. would seem absolutely absurd right. to people back then, but they did it because God said so, and they didn't have a, a revelation of it. You know, yeah. even the, the Isaiah and Joe both talk about the, the earth being round. Well, they didn't know that for millennia yeah, right? yeah. and it would seem absurd well this may seem absurd but i believe one day we're really going to understand <clears throat> why things are so different in chapter two but the whole point in chapter two is that there was a garden and god formed the man and placed him in this garden yeah and and he actually fashioned him out of the dirt of the earth and he breathed the his breath of life into it mm-hmm. and the man became a living soul and the man there again the man is the word adam adam mm-hmm. and it means human this human became a living soul and what we don't know is what the female looked like mm-hmm. all we know is that she was present on the inside of him because after all of the creation after every day this amazing 
um, you know, the earth, the stars are coming into being. The, the population of the trees begin. There's this, you know, full-grown man. And everything in creation is very good until the man shows up. Yeah. The human, not the male. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying Thank the man made, the male made a bad. It was the human. And, the only, and he said, this is not good. Yeah. All of creation was good, and this was not good. And he said, it's not good that man be alone. Yeah. And again, it's the human, right? Yeah. And, and the, <clears throat> so he puts the man into a deep sleep. And it's interesting that he actually uses the word like deep sleep. Mm-hmm. He didn't put him a light anesthesia. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, it's yeah. like there's a difference. But I just had a lot of dental work done, right? So there's the difference between a light numbing yeah. and a deep and they sleep put you out. Yeah. where a deep sleep means it's a major surgery. Yeah. And so the man goes into a deep sleep because something huge is going to be taken out of him. Yeah. And we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what the original Adam looked like. Yeah. I've heard a lot of preachers talk about how like, well, you know, they were, they were like Siamese twins almost, you uh, yeah, know, like they yeah. were so together and he split the man down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, it just doesn't, just, I can't picture that in my mind. But what I also can't picture is that he plucked a little rib out. Right, 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 right. And honestly, the word there for rib in the Hebrew is never translated rib any other time other than the creation account. <laughs> Again, it's a little massaging of the text. Yeah. The word there, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's T-S-E-L-A when you transliterate the Hebrew characters into English letters. <clears throat> and it's used a number like 42 other times in the Old Testament. And every other time it's meant to be like, a side or mm-hmm. a side chamber. Uh-huh. Um, it can be used um, for like a, a beam or a plank, like again, uh, something that has a curved nature to it. Uh-huh. And so I think that's where they got the, the word rib from. Ah, uh, gotcha. But it was also trying to make it seem small. Yeah. Where it major surgery, this was a major surgery. Yeah. He ac- actually talks about how he had to sew up his side. And so for me, in looking at the creation of the female, um, I had always envisioned her as being an afterthought, mm. something secondary, like an add-on. An add-on, like yeah. you know, God created the man. It's not good that he be alone. So let's pause there before we take her out of his side and let's mm, let's think now. What can we do here to to make this better for this guy? Well, and and let's let's parade the animals and see if we could spare him the surgery. Oh Lord, have mercy! Now that's funny because I actually had never heard that when I when I saw that in your material. I'm like, you got to be kidding! There were actually people who thought that the animals were paraded to sort of demonstrate that there was no counterpart for him among the animals. I would have thought that was obvious, and so I'd actually never heard that in all my years. Yeah, no, that's up. actually a complementary. That argument. is wild. Yes, that is wild. Well, because he's going to make a helper for him, right? And none of the animals were. A fitting helper, right? Because there was no helper, there was no helper suitable found for him. And yeah. looking through the animals, and if you, if that's what you think, you're going to read that into the text. Where my own personal opinion, it doesn't say the why, but my own personal opinion is, if it wasn't good that he was alone, the whole purpose of his creation or their creation, Adam, was to be plural in their image. And then he starts parading the animals past him. I use him because it's singular, because mm-hmm. the whole point was he was alone. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the hard part for me is, though, that like part of the exercise is, you know, 
the Adam, this human being, is actually partnering with the Lord in the creation of these animals. Whatever he called them, that's what their name was. Like I think it was actually like prophetic creation. Mm-hmm. Like he was actually participating yeah. in, in this event. But I also know that all animals come in male and female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every single one. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge, there's mm-hmm. not an exception there. There's some insects that are... And androgynous that that have both, but yes, animals. Well, I think are all, the creeping things and didn't all the count. mammals. Yeah, yeah. Well, even <laughs> even did. then, that's very yes. rare. Yeah, you know, well, for something to be self-reproducing, um, that's very unusual. So yes, yeah. male and female, it's the pattern. And it's so the he pattern. Sees it run, he sees it in front of him every every couple coming through. And so, if that was the case for me, I'm like, I think eventually it would probably dawn on him. There's no one else like me. God, you're not alone. (laughs) Right. The animals aren't alone. Right. But I'm alone. Yeah. And the word there for alone actually means a part separated from its whole. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because when when God formed the Adam and he took that batch of dirt and he breathed in that breath of life. The female was already inside of him. Mm -hmm. She was already there. He drew out the feminine side of the Adam and then formed her into a woman. But he did not start with a new batch of dirt and he did not breathe in a new breath of life. She was not something other than him. She was just, they were just like, it was almost like the two were so together, they couldn't fellowship. Yeah. Right? Like like she was lost on the inside of yeah, him. Yeah, she was absorbed into him, subsumed. Subsumed. Yeah. Which is where the enemy would like her to go back and That's uh, so right. And that's where abuse and narcissism and all kinds that's of stuff exactly comes right. in. And it can go both both ways with the male and female. It's yeah. not always the male dominating the female, although because of his position in society, it's been easier, I think. Well, I think that the systems of society have been structured for male domination. Yeah. I think in my experience, the systems of church, of government, of whatever else were always structured where the men were leading. But when you got home, it was very different. That was my experience. Especially in my by the 21st world. century. Oh, yeah. Well, even yeah. even in going back to my grandparents, great grandparents way of doing things. You know, the man was the head of the house. My grandfather would always joke, I'm the head of my house. And my wife gave me permission to say that. He would always say that. Everybody would laugh. you know. But we all knew there was some truth to it as well. Just like with my mom and dad. My dad was the head of the house. But my mom was pretty much going to get her way. And, and that wasn't, that was what my dad wanted. It wasn't like he was, my dad was very happily married. But there still was just this sense yeah. that, you know, the, the husband would make the decision or whatever. And then you'd always kind of joke, well, let's see what that's like tomorrow after he's gone home, you know, because oh, so yeah. it's going to yeah. probably be changed. Yeah. And so for me, I think it was I saw more of that being subsumed or absorbed and the loss of, of differentiated self. I saw that more kind of the other way around, which really exposes the lie of the lot of the the complementarian family systems that are out there in a lot of ways the woman does the woman does actually rule the roost and it just obviously it depends on personalities but that's often the case so it's very interesting though it doesn't matter whether it's um patriarchy Mm -hmm. 
in the true sense, or whether it's patriarchy on paper, but mm-hmm. matriarchy at home. That's right. There's an archy somewhere. There's an archy. There's an archy. <laughs> Noah built an archy, archy. <laughs> we sang that in Sunday school. <laughs> the problem is the archy is the problem. Yes. Right? It doesn't matter if it's the male at the, at the you know, dominating to get his way right. or a woman manipulating to get her way. The whole idea is that um, in, in your case, for example... Everybody like is getting along okay because everybody understands how we're going to play this game. Right. But it's not authentic. Right. It's not true. You're saying one thing with your mouth. You're living something that's different right. at home. That that's not the right kingdom. That's yeah. actually dishonest. Yeah. And anybody who's actually like trying to get their way, whether they're doing it by forcing, I have a legal right, or whether yeah. they're doing it to manipulate, like he might be the head, but I'm going to be the I'm neck. The neck, yeah. You know, like. I, either way, like you, you know that ain't right. Well, it's like the joke used to be in our world. You know, the women couldn't preach, and and you know the pastor's wife she'd be standing there by her husband or whatever, and then we, somebody say something about Bruce. Oh, I do all my preaching at home. She would say, and it was a joke. Everybody was joking, but we it also knew it was true. It was yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can remember. I think I mentioned this before one of our previous episodes. You know, I went to a lot of churches where. They were very authoritarian. Yeah. I mean, to the point where people couldn't take a vacation without the pastor's permission. You oh. couldn't buy a car. It was very, very authoritarian. And, some, and, and our church actually wasn't to that extent. My dad was never like that. But, um, but a lot of the places I would go and preach, they were very authoritarian. Without exception, the more authoritarian the male pastor led, the more controlling his wife was. Without exception. And I mean, my wife and I sat down and made a list one time going down the list of all of the authoritarians, even one pastor who was not married, and yet he was very authoritarian, and yet his secretary ran that church with an iron fist. So that's really interesting, Steve. It really is. (laughs) Because I I think that that's kind of like a microcosm of how it really works in the big world. Yeah, yeah. You know, the more we try to grasp power and control and um and narrow it yeah, yeah. and focus it yeah. the the more other people are also going to do the same around you that's right because like, now you're fighting for power now you're fighting for power yeah so for me that was that was kind of my experience of it but so you're saying adam is created human within the human is male and female and that to be alone meant, can you define that again? Separated from its whole. So in this case, it's interesting, the nuance or the play on words there. I just love how the Lord is always really creative with his words because mm-hmm. it's almost like a, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. Say that again. <laughs> huh? So when she was lost on the inside, the Adam, the human, was separated from its whole. Yeah. Its whole had to be plural by design. Yes. Where there was fellowship, yeah. where there was room for creation, where there was room for, you know, this love birthing another. Like you talk about the, you yeah. know, the the father, and and the wife and the child. Yeah. Like it's in the three that you see the culmination of in his image and in his likeness. Yeah, and so it's only in that relationship now that now that now the two are can be truly one in the sense of not singular this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh the husband shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become 
one flesh. Well, it doesn't mean like she has to get lost back on the inside of him again. That wasn't good. Yeah. Like the whole point is that's not good if she doesn't have a voice or if he's actually lost inside of her either way. Mm. You know, yeah. losing your individual individuality. Individuation. Individuation yeah. is actually a bad thing. Yeah. And so um, it's only in the plurality where they can have room for love and fellowship. That's That was very good. And that's where you find yourself. So Gina and I had this mm-hmm. conversation yesterday. We were talking about, uh, you know, the, the radical homosexual agenda that's really pushing hard to indoctrinate children. And we're encountering some of that, even with our kids yeah. coming up through the schools and yeah. all that. And so we've just been sorting through how do we do that? We want to show love at the same time. We want to be yes. clear, you know, how God made the world. And we were talking yesterday about how tragic it is and how sad it is for children who are raised up without that balance of father and mother yeah. because there's there's an aspect of, of themselves. Like my girls or twin girls are nine. I've been amazed how just in the last few weeks how I've started noticing their need for my affirmation is really emerging. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in all of our kids. These are our last two. We've had yeah. six, right? So I have two adult daughters the same way. But it's amazing how there's this this aff- this need for affirmation of the father's voice. It's yes. like they're wanting, they, they know their mama loves them, but they want to hear their dad say it. And we were just talking about how much it throws off the balance of human development when you don't have both both of that because and how we're unfair very different. yeah and how unfair it is to little children mm-hmm. to almost aggressively promote the idea they don't need that but they actually do they do need it and and for those of us who've had father wounds or mother wounds we know that there's something incomplete in yes. us when yeah. we don't have that affirmation yeah. but then Gene and I were also talking about how we've been married 28 years this year will be 29 and how much I found myself in her, and she found herself in me, and how we really don't believe we would be as whole as we are, and we still have a lot of wholeness to grow into. But just being as whole as we are has been so much a part of that relationship God has given us with each other. So that just to me, so in the real world, so illustrates what you're saying about the atom. That being alone and yet having that female drawn out of the male, the differentiation that happens, which mm-hmm. psychologists emphasize as being so important for health, is yeah. what narcissists prevent. They right. swallow you up. They own you. They're yes. like parasites that drain your life, yes. right? And I've, I've even talked to my kids about how sometimes um, uh, Elena and Natalie, her adult, my adult, adult daughters, they both have a life force mm-hmm. that they carry that other people who lack... Maybe they didn't have the same development or whatever. They will like latch onto them. And it's like they want to draw their life out because they carry such a life force. And I feel like that knowing how to have that healthy differentiation that like Gina and I enjoy in our marriage. And yet at the same time, we're connected. Mm -hmm. So we know how to be individual, but we also know how to be one. Mm -hmm. That is the beauty of what you're describing from Genesis. It is. And I think that we, I love the word complementarian 
I, I wish it meant something different right. than the world has made it to mean right. because we really truly do complement each other. And, and I love the fact that, um, that just like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are very different, and yet they truly are so one. It's hard to know where one stops and yeah. the other begins. And so um, when I was first doing that whole one thing, like because unity is so important, and we talk about it through the whole series, right? right, right. Unity is such a big deal. It's actually where um, love and uh, the power flows from is 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 that that level of unity. And so in the Hebrew text where it says, Behold, Israel, the Lord thy God is one, mm-hmm. it doesn't say singular. Yeah. It doesn't mean like she needs to get swallowed up in you or you just need to get lost in whatever she wants. Right. It actually is the Hebrew word akad, and it's like a complex unity. Yeah. I love the idea that one person described it that, that made it make so much sense to me. They were explaining that in Hebrew, like there's a word for singular, yakid, which is like a singular grape, uh-huh. or there's the word for one ikad, which is like one bunch of grapes. Yeah. It's still one. Yeah. But it's not singular. Yeah. It's more complex than and that. And all doctrinal errors regarding the Godhead, having come from a oneness Pentecostal background, this is a big, big deal in my own formation. But all doctrinal errors come from trying to press the reality of God to one or the other, mm-hmm. to oneness or to triunity. Mm-hmm. So you either end up with a monadic God, which is like modalism. You have this one God who plays these different roles. Mm-hmm. He's the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, Holy Spirit in sanctification. And so God is like picking up this mask like the old actors did in the Greek theater, right? And they would yeah. put pick up a mask and one person would play multiple roles. That's modalism. And so they would... And oneness Pentecostals, by the way, are not actually true modalists. Most of them are not. But they do still bend the doctrine of the Godhead toward what they call absolute oneness. We have to emphasize his oneness. That becomes the controlling idea. God is one and everything else has to be defined by that. Or then you have tritheists who push it to the other extreme and they end up dividing God up till it becomes a divine committee. There's one God over there. Over there's another God. Wow. Over here's another God. Yeah. And that's not Trinitarianism. No. That's tritheism. Yeah. And so it's, of course, as wrong as is the other. But the, the interesting thing is that both of those errors come from trying to resolve God <laughs> into a concept we can grasp as one or three. Yeah, they, they do know we're itty-bitty little humans, right? <laughs> right. When they look at the universe and he can hold that in the palm of his hand, although... We are made in his image and in his likeness. So I think we have a long way to go to rise to our creation. We do. And that same problem is what happens in the relationship between male and female. So if I'm trying to figure out who's in charge here, who's in charge here? You're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. And you end up pushing toward, well, the man has to be in charge. Well, maybe, maybe for this decision, he takes the lead or maybe not. Maybe we work together. Like in our home, it's always, we have a veto policy. We have to come into agreement. Mm -hmm. You know, either one of us can say no until we can both come into agreement. We're going to go before the Lord and find out what we need to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But there could be a time where maybe my wife's desire is, is more, I don't, I don't care what the furniture looks like in our house. Right. I don't. I really don't. It's just of no interest to me whatsoever. Okay, she doesn't Unless care. she picks something really bad, then you might have an interest. She's even just then, really it, good at it. Even then, it would have to be <laughs> awful because, yes, yeah, she is really good at it. But still, I just it's just not of what's interesting to me. Okay, but 
if we're going to make a decision where to eat dinner or if there's some other things where it is of interest to me or how money is spent or the vehicles, things like that, mm-hmm. that stuff is, that's more things that matter to me. So we have just been able to find that balance. So the point is that there is no hard and fast rule. It's movement. It's a dance. Yeah, it's perichoresis. perichoresis which exactly is the right. Greek word that describes the fellowship and the relationship in the Trinity. Exactly. It's exactly. an ebb and a flow. It really is. And that's how they were created in that image for that kind and of that relationship. that is the image of God. All right. stopping point. I think we're going to have to leave you hanging over the cliff. Yay, once again, <laughs> we say unto thee. And we're going to need to come back and we need to talk about the helper. We need to yeah, get into Ezra. We have a lot Ezra. of ground to cover. We You're going to be amazed. Yeah. We're going to get into Ezra and we will amaze you. <laughs> or actually, the word of God is going to amaze you. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Join us for our next episode. We're going to talk some more about the helper and maybe it'll help us all. <laughs> Many blessings. Many blessings.